everyone, it's the Life of Gem audio podcast, now available on all Apple and other streaming platforms. Just search Life of Gem. And today we have a really big treat. We're talking writing. This podcast is really writers on writing. I'm a writer. I talk to all my favorite writers. And today we have Romaine Washington on. Say hi, Romaine. Hi. (laughs) She just curated. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say it's good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, I'm so excited, especially since you just curated and edited this beautiful anthology um, just published by Inlandia called These Black Bodies Are dot 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 a Blacklandia anthology. It's so beautifully curated and edited and it's a it's a bunch of different genres in here and we're going to talk about that. But first, let me read your bio. Okay. So everyone can see how epic you are. Um, and and just so everyone knows, Romaine is from the IE. So I, I'm especially happy to have her on for the second time. The first time we talked about her poetry books that had come out. And now we're talking about this anthology that she curated. Romaine Washington is a twice nominated Pushcart Prize poet whose work has been nominated for Best of the Net. She's an Inland Empire native and the editor of These Black Bodies Are a Blacklandia anthology, and also the literary journal Chola Needles. Did I say that right, Chola? Choya? Choya. Choya Needles, issue 88. Washington is the author of two poetry books. They're so beautiful. Please pick them up. Purgatory has an address, which was published by Bamboo Dark Press, and Sirens in Her Belly, a 2016 BET editor's choice for top 10 must-read books. Her writing has been published in several anthologies and literary journals, including including Women Who Submit Anthologies, Gathering and Accolades, Lowell Water Review, Emory University, and New Directions, Howard University, among other local and national publications. She is a regular contributor to the Inlandia Literary Journeys in the Press Enterprise for Riverside. Romaine Washington has presented her poetry in many programs, including on Inside SoCal, CBS2, NPR, and KPFK. She's been an educator for over 20 years and is currently, this is amazing, the Poetry Out Loud coordinator for San Bernardino County. Go as San Bernardino. (laughs) (laughs) To find out more, visit her website at www.romainewashington.com. And just so everyone knows, you can get the book there. There's a link to it. And you can also go to Bookshop and all national and local retailers. Welcome, Romaine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are awesome as well. And I can't, I just can't tell you how much I'm overjoyed to be here and to talk about um, the anthology and just to talk, just to get caught up. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I got really emotional finishing it. I finished it again for the second time right before about an hour ago, I finished it. And uh, I have the day off today. So I had a dental appointment and then I spent the rest of my morning and afternoon rereading it. And I got really emotional this time. Maybe it's because I was holding it in hand. The first um, read I did electronically, but when I really held this in hand and thought about all the work, love and um, blood, sweat and tears and, and experience that went into this, uh, both of yours and the writers, I, 
I got really emotional. So do you want to start out by reading someone's poem or piece from it or your intro maybe? Um, Oh, I could read. Oh, wow. I hadn't thought of reading the intro. I'll read the intro and hopefully later on I'll get to read like a poem from here or a piece. So in Ta-Nehisi Coates' book, Between the World and Me, and it's a must read if you haven't read it, he proclaims in America it is traditional to destroy the Black body. It is heritage. I would definitely agree with this quote based on history and current events. Black bodies were used as machinery to work the plantations and build the mansions of the men referred to as the founding fathers of this country. And I recently saw something on Instagram where it was Martin Luther King talking, Dr. Martin Luther King talking about um, black bodies. He didn't use those words. But what he used was this fantastic word called the thingification of a body. Oh, I just love that. So black bodies are threatened at voting polls in the South and endure regular microaggressions as sure as we check our phones and use computers. Black bodies are gunned down while going on a daily jog and listening to music. And after the deaths, black bodies rise up to bear witness and demand justice. These black bodies are snapshots of the human condition in melanated skin and kinky hair. They're not asking permission to wear their kinky hair, but rejoicing in the beauty of complexion and natural expression. These black bodies are reminding us that though we may sometimes be ethereal and fragile, we are also resilient and determined. We gather strength and are inspired by parents and grandparents. Ms. Opal Lee, grandmother of Juneteenth, vowed to use her Black body to walk until Juneteenth was recognized as a federal holiday. We remember promises made in the Constitution, and even if they were made to our exclusion, we evoke the spirit of the intent so our Black bodies and those of our children and children's children have the opportunity to be free. We believe the words of Fannie Lou Hamer, none of us is free until we all are free. These Black bodies celebrate Juneteenth every day, reminding us that we can at any age liberate and empower. In this book, you will read work where artists speak about post-traumatic slave syndrome, prayers, ghosts, uprisings, reparations, and love. In each selection, there is love in its various forms. Two academic papers have been included, which I know is highly unusual to have academic writing in a creative collection, but the teacher and me could not resist. Both of the papers present present commentary that could be the catalyst to encourage discussions on not just the writing, but the topics being analyzed. The collection contains work from established and emerging writers, local artists, writers from San Bernardino, and throughout the diaspora. The collection is divided into eight sections. These Black bodies are alive and hopeful. You will read something that resonates with you. At any given time, our Black bodies are in peril. But we are also, one, hopeful, two, mindful, focused on mental health, three, mystical, four, enlightened, focusing on education, five, bodacious, six, 
Bearing Witness, focusing on social justice, seven, eclectic, and eight, transforming. These Black bodies are inviting you to sit a while and read, and we thank you for communing with us. So thank you for giving me the offer. I've never read it out loud for anything before. So thank you. That introduction so perfectly encapsulates what this anthology is. I'm so glad you read that. And at the end, I'll let you read, you know, another five, 10 minutes of whatever you want to read. I I want to start out talking about how this book came about. And then if you could talk about, I talk about this a lot in my podcast and I'm a little obsessed with sequencing. And um, I always say that my favorite books are like my favorite albums. Mm. They're curated and edited and sequenced in a very specific, intentional way. Ziggy Stardust, um, Abbey Road, uh, The Smiths, all my favorite bands. Um, The the thing tells a story in in the way that it's ordered. So talk about how this book came about. And then I want to hear about how you decided to do these eight different sections, which I think is brilliant. And I I have some notes about each section. So I might break in and talk about each section with you. First, I have to tell you, I'm so overjoyed to finally be able to talk about this. Um, (laughs) So um, I was approached, um, of course, after George Floyd. um, I don't know in especially in the 21st century, we have not communally witnessed a lynching before. There have been deaths of Black men, Black women. We've seen some horrible and heard about horrible shootings. But to actually in mid-daylight see what I call a public, and no, it wasn't a hanging if you look at the the term specific, if you go just by dictionary definition, but by every other mode, it was a lynching. Mm -hmm. And it crushed us so, not just in the States, but around the world. And so um, we had all of these organizations and corporations longing somehow to um, say, yeah, Black lives do matter. Um, And so, as we know, we had the protest. And... um, I was approached and asked, uh, would I be interested in doing a Black Lives Matters anthology? And it was wow. like a dream come true to have that presented. I'm like, I, I didn't even hesitate. I didn't think about time or and I'm like, yes, absolutely. I would love to do this. I'm a child. I was really, really young during uh, the revolutions and the 60s and the civil rights movement and all of that. But I sat by the radio and I listened to Nikki Giovanni and I listened to The Last Poets. And I was very aware of agency and how much voices do matter, communal voices. And so I really wanted to do this. What I didn't what I didn't know, and just stop me whenever, because I could just ramble. Well, let me just say that I think that idea of the voice and the idea of testimony as a way to transcend all of this, right? Yeah. A, a voice of activism and of telling the stories. I mean, yeah. that's how you get, that's how you transcend it. But go ahead. So, um, see, I'm afraid. I do have, and I'm now, it's my disclaimer. Um, and I used to hate when my students did this, but I do have ADHD. And so like, I, I'm resetting right now uh, as we talk. Um, I know I was talking about being overjoyed. What I didn't know was um, how 
I was going to do this, how I was going to curate it. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to have my, um, I knew what I didn't want. And what I didn't want was a lot of poems that just said, we shall overcome and we are wonderful kings and queens. I didn't want that, even though there there is truth in that. And I didn't want a lot of poems and stories that talked about anger at the police or how we're oppressed every day um, and social injustice, just that one note. I wanted us to be just this garden of voices. I wanted all of the experiences of what we embody and and what we go through. And so I didn't know, um, I didn't put, and, and a lot of times people would say, well, what is it exactly you're looking for? And I would say, whatever you want to write about, um, it doesn't, you don't even have to put black in there just by your very uh, personage, you are black. And I love that. And American Fiction, which is a new movie that's out, that's one of the... um, Up for an Oscar, I think, right? Yes. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that is huge in that uh, movie is the box that we put the Black voice in. Mm. And so I didn't... You know what's weird about that? Sorry to break in, is I had the first statement I wrote after reading that anthology is, we are not a monolith. Right. Right. We are not a monolith. Yes. There's many experience, perspectives, colors, shapes, sizes, voices. Yes. And so I thought if I'm putting together a collection, I want it to be just that, like a choir. Mm -hmm. I didn't want it to be one voice. And so I thought if I leave it as open as possible, and I'm a very organic person when it comes to thinking and connecting themes, um, that's how I taught it was hard to do lesson plans because if something new happened, it was going to come into the mix. And so mm-hmm. I thought the book would create itself. The voices would gather and they would create their own um, story, their own narrative. I just had to listen. And, and so- man, the, the people that you collected from, I'll just name a few names, people that I know personally that are very well known as writers. Um, Shonda Buchanan, Shonda Buchanan. Uh, Angela Franklin, uh, James Coates, who's from San Bernardino. I mean, those are just two, two or three of people that I know uh, are very well known in the community. Yes, and and then um, I had Natalie Graham uh, mm-hmm. submit, and I had S. Pearl Sharp, and it was it just filled my heart every time. And and people that I didn't know, and people from other um, states. Wow. Um, there is a, an indigenous lady from in Canada, Canada, who I learned a lot from her essay that she submitted. Um, so all over, I just had such a wonderful time as the um, submissions came in. And somebody asked, um, did you accept everything? And I was like, no, I didn't accept everything. There were many more that unfortunately didn't make it in, but... Um, and there were some that were right on the borderline and I would uh, email them. I would contact them and say, let's talk about your work. Let's, with a couple more things done, we can have it in. And I, I did a workshop at New Hope Missionary Baptist Church because it was the first church where I read a poem. 
Um, it was a neighborhood church I used to walk to. So I did a workshop there and some of the uh, members, I presented it to the church and some of the members said, yes, I want to do it. And they came to workshops and wow. there and there as well. And so um, it was just a beautiful lived experience for me. And talking about community, what I loved most, okay, usually when um, there's an anthology, it might be split up into genre sections. But this book is the definition of hybrid. You have memoir, you have poetry, you have art, you have hybrid uh, work. And then you even have these academic essays. Um, you have the, it starts off the collection, I think it's the second or third piece, uh, Beauty of Community by Vicki Lee. And it's um, about Lee's House of Beauty, which I know exactly where this is in San Bernardino. And it's a memoir piece. Yeah. Right? Or uh, yeah. Where, is it still there? No, it's not there okay. anymore. But uh, <laughs> she is like a sister to me now. And we met during this process. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So mm -hmm. I knew the area that it was probably in. And I was like, wow, how rare is it that I get to read a memoir piece about a piece of cultural history and her mother's, you know, love of it and why she did it and why she owned the business and cutting people's hair for free and giving back to the community. I mean, yeah. and, and there's even a picture with it, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so this is also history, this book. Yeah. And I mean, it is brilliant in so many ways. And I love how you broke it up, you know, because you broke it up into the eight sections. Yeah. Um, and so there is so much here to talk about. <laughs> um, I mean, talk about that idea of black bodies as machinery that you talk about in your introduction about there's even a, um, in the bodacious section, um, yes. there's a lot about color and hair and these interpersonal things within the race and outside the race, people yes. touching you and yes. using you. And I, I just took a class on bias. I had to uh, renew yeah. my CLEs. Mm -hmm. And I myself was unaware and I was very almost freed from um, some resentments I had with work in the past and more recently where I found out a lot about unconscious biases yes. and it became less personal for me. And I was like, these people can't help but say, hey, Juanita, you want to mentor or do these eight projects for free that involve Latinos and it's it's a form of positive bias but it's still an unconscious bias. bias. Yeah, yeah, and I found out about negative bias and why sometimes maybe those microaggressions that I I I just couldn't put in I thought it was personal and it's not. It's systemic, right? Yes, it is very much so. We live now that is the one monolith that we do live under and in. And there's a another movie, thank goodness that came out called Origin. Uh, uh, Isabel Wilkerson, and she wrote, um, I'm looking because I have it on my shelf, and I did a book talk, I love book talks, called Cast, and in it she talks about this um, system that we live in as a caste system. Mm. That she, it's something because we call it microaggressions, you know, the automatic assumptions that are made. Um, she it does a wonderful job in there. And How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi also speaks to it. However, he gives um, tools on how to combat um, systemic racism through um, 
through litigation and through, you know, yes, through speaking up and speaking out. And um, so both of those texts, and I keep going back to George Floyd. Um, When George Floyd happened, how to become an anti, how to be an anti-racist was number one on the charts because everybody wanted to know how can we break this to have it never happen again. But then you look at Wilkerson as a cast. How do you break a cast? Um, right. Can you? Right. Can you? Um, there's a picture that I just thought of in here that said the system isn't broken. It's working kind of. The system mm-hmm. isn't broken. It was built that way by Davy yeah. and Chester. Yes. Um, and it's no. You and I can see it, but it's yeah. on page two twenty seven. <laughs> for those who are following along in the book, I'll start naming pages. It's a graphic. The system. It's a woman or a man um, with their hair up, their hand up. And the fist raised. And yes, yeah, it was designed to be that way. And there's so many books out that talk about the thingification of the Black body, Mm. um, how Mm. it was meant to dehumanize us, to get the most from us that, and and when I say us, I mean melanated, kinky skin, you know, kinky hair, you know, people, Black, people of color, I'll just say. Um, It was meant to keep us objectified. And um, so... um, Well, not only that, but what you and I have in common is my first book that I actually wrote after my second book um, about the system of mass incarceration and its link Mm. to slavery. And as now as an abolitionist, this all started with the killing of George Floyd. Uh, Public defenders started marching. I wrote a piece. I turned it, I expanded it into a uh, multi-story collection. But I think that what's interesting is how much that, and you keep on coming back to it because it was this pivotal moment for us. Yes. Um, More so, obviously, for anyone that's Black, African-American, but for all people of color. Yes. We saw ourselves in him. We saw our brothers, our sisters, our friends. And there is... um... A show I've watched, Karen Hunter, and one of the things is she reframes being a person of color to being the global majority. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. So um, anyhow, I keep talking about my senses. I'm horrible at this. Um, you mentioned something Not and you asked me, and I will talk about everything else except, <laughs> except you know, me and, and the topic at hand. So... Um, but we were talking about that essay, The Beauty of Community. So yeah. how did you decide to make this multi-genre? Is that something you knew you wanted in that so-called course that you wanted all kinds of different expression? I knew that I wanted all sorts of different kinds of expression. And so what I was doing, um, and this is how I lesson planned. I have lesson plans for Sirens in Her Belly. And so, and as you hear me talk, you'll hear me talk, reference movies and reference books. And so... When all of this came in, I just started saying, yes, I want this, I want that. And I had this big mountain of yeses. And then I thought, how am I going to organize this? And so then I started to just look at things that were in common. One of these things belongs with each other. And so I had all of these beautiful um, poems and stories about beauty and self-acceptance and self-love or the questioning of how I look in society mm. as a Black person. And so I said, okay, that's one section. Then I have a section that- that audacious? Yes, that's bodacious. Okay. We oh. are bodacious. Yay. And, and the Adrinka symbols, um, 
that I have, and I have it on page 329, um, spoke, once I got them in categories, I started thinking, oh my gosh, I can use my Adrinka symbols because that's something I absolutely love. Uh, for some reason, I'm naturally pulled to them. I just bought a skirt that has an Adrinka symbol on it. Um, I have a tattoo of an um, Vancofa on my back. Um, so the beauty, and it's the Afrocomb look, and it actually is symbolic of beauty. And um, that's then, awesome. So then justice, um, you know, all of the things that were outcries or spoke to that. Um, I had hope. All of the yeah. things that were religion, all of the things that talked about community and talked about the better that we can be and the better that we hope for. Um, and then. Yeah, because I saw in the hope one, community, history, church, love. Yes. In the mindfulness one, mental health, society, masses, blue collar life, mystical, magic, music. Yes. Um, what are yes. my other notes? Um, and then in like. Um, enlightenment, awareness, education. I mean, I think my favorite section yes. for me, I think because there's a lot of memoir pieces in it, mm -hmm. was the enlightenment section because it talked a lot of, there was even one about a teacher who- oh, um, the education one. Oh, okay, yeah. There was yes. there was a memoir piece about a teacher who oh, okay. was dealt with so much stuff as a professional. Yeah. And it's like, I was like, no one's telling. And I want to find that piece. Me find yeah, it. I'm, um, I'm coming through my my um, book, too, because I don't remember everything off by heart. Oh, no, no. That's why this was really hard to prep for, because I was trying to make notes and try to remember. But I also just wanted it to just work like this, where we're kind of thumbing through together. But um, in the enlightenment section, hold on, I'll find it. I tabbed it. Um, almost. Oh, here we are. I'm in the enlightenment. And I know which piece you're talking about because I absolutely love it. Um, and I was like, no one's tell. I've never heard anyone tell this story um, about these us professional women, the shit we have to go through. Yeah. And the times we have to yes. bite our tongue. Page oh, wait a minute. Is this it? Um, one page 130. I guess I am invisible and that matters yes. by Denise T. Best. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's um <laughs> so timely. I, you know, and I think I don't know. Um there were times my mind would go back to it in situations and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I, I have this in my anthology, you know, when I would experience this even since the last year. So, um, yeah, um, I'm so grateful to have been able to read these and say, yes, I want other people to read um, the experience of being overlooked and being invisible. And then I love how she flips that invisibility, though, and says, Hmm. Okay, <laughs> so you didn't include me in all of this. So guess what? I have no accountability for this. I see mm -hmm. you when I wouldn't want to be it. Yes, <laughs> yes, um, yes. And and you know, um, later in the collection, I really saw how you were attempting to get outside these cliches. Sometimes the boxes that we want to put black people and black creatives in. Um, and other writers of color in as being that, you know, the one who's perfect, the one who has to stand up and speak and be only the the justice advocate and the, you know, yeah. we only care about that when that is not true. You know, we care about so many other things. And there's that, um, there's stories about family and about imperfection. Yes. yes. And I loved, I, and that I think is. Um, Singapore slinging. 
was the one I was thinking about. Singapore Sling. It's about the girl who's at turns 18, goes out drinking, oh. she comes home, mom yeah. slaps when she falls on the ground. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I knew that experience. And yeah, and so I wanted to, like I said, I wanted just to have the the lived experience. And um I just love that story. I think I read that story three times because I could so relate to that. It's like, oh, you are not doing this. <laughs> yeah, I think that And you're a mother, you have kids, you've seen both sides mm-hmm. of it probably as a person, as a child, as a young adult, and then as a mother. But you know what? I, I must imagine that having being able to hold this in your hands and being the creator of this in many ways, putting it together, it, it just must be just such a um, an honor to be able to create really something is. like this because it doesn't exist anywhere. And my favorite part of the podcast, I always say this, is when I find out these le- little secrets, like how you decided to use the symbols, you know, um, yeah. how you decided to order it, how you have this big pile of yeses and you're like, okay, how do you figure out? To put-? Because yeah. I think that the best process is always organic. Yes. It kind of creates itself. Yes. And so we have... um I started with hope and then I went to magical realism, which is freedom. <laughs> and um, then I went to mental health because we always have that line of magical realism, mental health. Is this real or not real, you know, in our society? And some of, and also there were pieces that were in social justice that I struggled with. Should this be in mental health? Mm. Um, the stress of being, there's one piece that I absolutely love. And I didn't prepare by, you know, pulling pages as I should have. Um, but there's a piece where he talks about walking with his mom and um, the narratives of uh, lynchings and things that he sees and the stress of being a Black person after George Floyd and with all of the things that he's seen. And should that go in mental health or should that go in social justice? You know, that those were some of the things that I wrestled with because so much of the stress and anxiety of being a person of color in this society creates... Um, mental health issues for us. And so, um, you know, just the anxiety of it. So there are a few that are in uh, mental health that talk about that, that talk about uh, being the overwhelmingness of it. Um, And you also set it in time very well. There are some um, on page 229, for example, There Goes the Neighborhood by Dr. Michael Andrew Owens about um, the Trumpsters and all that and how it makes him feeling safe is what I got from it. Um, yes. Yeah. That, that, that is a form of trauma in a way that we're having to live with. Um, yes. And so stuff like that, I think you, you set this very well in place in time. It's on one hand um, universal and timeless, but on the other hand, it is uniquely now. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, oh, let me take a breather here. Um as I try to figure out uh, which ones. Um, So as I went through collecting this, um, so I went from mental health to education because we're still dealing with the mind Mm -hmm. and then the body, um, you know, after the mind then the body and then the body in society, which is the social justice and then the body in 
family, which are the um, stories you got about where we live and um, divorce and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the hope for just interpersonal relationships, that strong bond. And then um, we leave with transformation. And um, so that's how I ordered it, kind of like how life flows, how we come to know ourselves. Um, so um, I just had a wonderful time. And so, and then these black bodies are, as I was pulling the um, the anthology together, the brief bios, I thought, how fun would it be to have them say how they give one word, I, the instructions were one word, if you had to say what your black body is. And so the bios have um, what they identified as my black body is lore or fine or mm-hmm. precious or victorious. And it was so much fun to have them come in and to read how they identified themselves. And there weren't repetitive words to it, just like each voice is unique, each story, each poem, each work of art. Um, Maya Adunahan was a senior at Los Osos and she's in here. And yeah, that was a that. joy to have somebody that, oh, wait, I have a younger person in here. She was a sophomore and a, um, a student, and she was a member of New Hope Missionary Baptist Church. Oh, wow. And her artwork exclusively, Taylor, is in here. And so um, to have a 15-year-old to encourage um, the next generation in voice felt wonderful. Um, as Pearl Sharp, I, I've been a fan of hers for years. And when I saw that she had submitted an essay, I was just over the moon, Jim Crow in Koreatown. And every- Oh, I love that essay. Yes, yes, yes. I read it like five or six times. Um, right now, I, I offer a workshop and actually some of, there were two people that signed up for the workshop that are in the anthology. So that was cool too. Um, I made friends. And, you know, while I emailed back and forth, um, this is my personal experience, though, not necessarily the experience of um, the um, anthology. So I don't know. Um, what and then in Landia published it in Landia Institute is a local nonprofit, what pretty yes. much this seminal um, literary arts organization in the Inland Empire. They published it. Yes. Um, Yes. That's amazing. And I and used to be on the board, disclaimer, I'm no longer on the board, but I used to be. <laughs> and, and then um, I hadn't worked with, I kind of knew, I didn't have any guidelines. I, I, we used Submittable. I kind of knew how to put them all on one dock and, and I organized them. And then I had papers everywhere to edit them. And my son read some. And then I had a, a young lady who read some other, you know, looking for errors and and small things. And then, um, but to work on the layout was a nice, Mm -hmm. that's one of the things about small presses is the freedom that you have when um, you're working on the cover, when you're working on layout. And so I got to um, have discussions about that. And then um, during the pandemic, when Blacklandia started, I was blessed with the honor of interviewing um, Charles Bibbs. And so as I was looking around for a cover and I couldn't quite find mm-hmm. what I wanted, I contacted um, 
Charles Bibbs and said, you know, can we use some of your art for um, the cover? And we had conversations and I am blessed beyond. Yes. Yeah. I love how it wraps around too. And so that we have the cover art in the front of artists and creatives um, drawing and writing. Um, And then it, and it, and then it flows into the back. Um, who did, I, I'm assuming like Mark Givens or someone did the cover. Yes, design. Mark Givens did that, but he, he was, everybody was wonderful in this process from Katie Porter to Mark Givens, where they told me, you have complete free reign. You mm-hmm. decide what goes in here. You decide what voice it is. You decide wow. the layout, you decide the cover. And so he gave me like three or four choices for cover and asked me what I wanted. And so, um, it was really nice to have such agency um, to be able to do all of this. Um, and you know what? It's really, you know, brave because it's hard. You know, someone asks us to do something that we've never done before, like this podcast when I started it and stuff. And I think saying yes to those experiences and finding the way, the do-it-yourself way that you're going to figure out how to do this. Yes. Um, no one really trains us writers how to do an anthology. No one trains us how to right. judge a contest. No one trains us out of a teacher workshop. I mean, you got to kind of figure out how it works for you. But I have to say, if if the proof is in the pudding, I think (laughs) your process was magical. I think that the way you work and the the control that you get to exercise, but also the freedom you give yourself to do it the way you want to do it and the trusting of yourself that you that that you were going to put together this collection that really spoke to people. And it does. I would say that I don't think I've ever read a book like this before, an anthology like this before. And I love anthologies. Oh, that, oh, you just don't. I'm going to tuck that away in my heart. Um, No, I mean it. I mean it. It's magical. It's special. You created something for the ages. Maybe in 50 years or 30 years, someone will look back and be like, hey, what's the, what's a book that really captures the lived experience in the Southern California region from 2000? And 20, you know, 2022. I had had some writer friends who said, oh, you need to submit this for a contest for uh, an award or something. But to be honest, by the time I got through with this, having a baby, and then um, I not only wanted, envisioned putting this together, but it to be a communal experience where we would have three or four readings. And Mm. so... Um, it came out on Juneteenth and and we had an experience at the park, but Feldheim Library also wanted to celebrate. So on the rainiest day. That's when in we, San Bernardino, right? Although yes, in San Bernardino. And on the rainiest day when they were talking about possible hurricanes, and it was so funny, Janine was on her way to Feldheim and I was just like, there is no reason to do this, um, to be having this reading on this particular day. Nobody's going to be there. And we had a full house and it was at the library. And that shows how much we really want to come together. We love literature. We love giving voice to our experience. And so it was a wonderful reading. And then the culminating reading in person was at um, the Riverside Art Museum, where Charles Bibb's artwork was on display. And we got to read in, yes, in the room where we were surrounded by his artwork. Oh, my goodness. Talk about 
<laughs> Here's Matt, right? It was so wonderful. And so um, I just have goosebumps as, as I saw your reaction to that. And then. No, because that's what people don't realize. You say yes to something and you give of yourself, right? You know, yeah. you're not going to yeah. get rich curating an anthology. It's not for the money or anything like right. that. Right. No. But you say yes. And then you get so much back from it. Yes. Right? And then the final one on MLK Day, which gave. Um, people oh. that were out of state, the opportunity to read and people that were, you know, people that had read it every single reading. I saw that one. Yeah. Still participated in it. And what was a blessing? I'm in a group now. And one lady said, you know, I just came in to support my friend. And she said, but I found that everything was good and I, I had to stay for it all. So, um, and that 77 people, over 77 people showed up. It was, um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was wonderful. Um, well, you're a connector, Romaine. You always have been. And um, you're the, one of the most generous, supportive people I know. Uh-huh. Um, you know, when you wrote that poem at my thing. Oh, and yes. I yes. was like, oh, my God, how do I even deserve this? Like, this oh, woman yeah, is, yeah. I mean, we connected immediately. I knew it. And, you know, I have another poem about you that's brewing in my head um, because your word, if somebody asked me what is Juanita's word, I would say epic. Epic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so as I get to know you and hear your voice and hear how you use language, I, I have something else rumbling in my oh. head. Um, so um, I just, you know, poetry to me is hugs and Mm -hmm. it's love. It's an expression. We take pictures together and that's our bodies, but poetry are snapshots of our spirits. And so, um, yeah, I'm so grateful doing poetry out loud. Oh, talk about that Uh, for people who don't know what that is. Okay. Um, Poetry out loud is it's been around since the early two thousands and what um, was decided is um, this is National Endowment of the Arts. And what was decided was we have all of these poets from time immemorial, but what we don't have is a space for the next generation to memorize these poems and share these poems. And memorization is something that's taken is on the, on the sidelines now. We have so much technology. But um, to not only find a way to write and express yourself in your voice, but also to read um, quality poetry. And what's beautiful about the anthology that's online at poetryoutloud.org is that they have classic literature, classic poetry from the 1800s, 1900s, but they also have uh, poetry from living poets that are live now, um, 20 wow. 2023. So, and you can look up according to genre, your interest or poet. And so they have a breadth of work. And sometimes I just go on and read their anthology, their, their living anthology that's constantly changing. Matter of fact, I'd love to do something like that. Matter of fact, I might do something like that. Yeah. Um, and so um, I love the mission, but I wanted to do more. And so um, two elements that I added on that I was blessed with the freedom to add on, I love how people will say, well, tell me what, what it is you want. And so growing up in San Bernardino, I was a latchkey kid. 
And so I had a lot of free time on my hands, especially during the summertime. So I spent a lot of time in the library. And every once in a while, there would be these community things for a week or so mm-hmm. where you could participate. And it was so much fun. I Just, remember those. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And um, I don't really see those around. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I want to have an open mic for um teens uh, once a month. And they were like, we can make that happen. And so um, I talked with Micah Tasaka, and she is the host for our monthly teen open mic that will start again when school starts. And they've been so wonderful. It started with Creative Grounds, um, which is a local art, um, I want to say art gallery, but uh, an art studio. Yeah. And the kids loved the environment. It was perfect. Um, and But I moved it the next year, this year, past year, to the Feldheim Library. Because I thought, oh, the library would be perfect. Um, and then, um, most recently, we're talking now with um, San Bernardino Valley College, the art gallery there. Oh. And so once a month, it's going to be in the art gallery now. Um, And so the kids who love poetry, who want to just share their own work or work that they've read, will also go on a college campus surrounded, you know, in this art gallery to share their work. Wow. So um, that's so important because, you know, um, as those of us who started writing later in life and publishing later in life, no one really talked about the performance aspect. Oh, just go do a reading. They don't talk about the anxiety. But if you can start doing it young. Yes. And I have to tell you, the first year we started it at Creative Grounds, you know, we had and we have one teacher who's absolutely dedicated, who's there every time with his students. But people from the community will come too and and read. And but I have seen such a growth and the students that came at Creative Grounds, when they came to the library, it's like, oh, my gosh, they speak with more authority and more um, they're more solid. And they seem to breathe the lines a little bit more easily. And I was so impressed. And what was beautiful going to the Feldheim, we had middle schoolers coming. And so middle schoolers were coming and they were just like trying. It was so cute. They were coming and they were sharing their work. And then um, and they actually had poetry. And one of the events, um, we gave a prompt and parents were writing to it and sharing. And you had high school and you had middle school. So you had this intergenerational sharing, um, which was wonderful. And that's going to help these kids with everything in their life from their in-classroom speeches or talks. And, you know, I did, I had a little bias myself against middle schoolers. And then I, um, I did a uh, James Coates, who's in this anthology, these black bodies are. Um, James Coates is a local poet, writer, activist, educator. And um, he did this thing where he would teach these middle schoolers like workshopping. And I went and they were so much fun. Yeah. And I was like, who knew that these young kids were so invested? Oh, they, you you give a a safe space. And so then what we did for Poetry Out Loud, which is a blessing, um, San Bernardino County School of Superintendents got on board. Oh, wow. We have our contest now at the Dorothy Ingram Center um, over off of Hospitality Lane. And um, they were instrumental last year and this year. And one of the things that I wanted to do 
was to add a little extra something, something in there. And so instead of just the poetry out loud, we have the judges who are all poets perform. Wow. So while the scores are being tabulated, the poets are performing. So it becomes a poetry event, not just of a competition. And so um, you have that energy there. And this year, um, one of the teachers had the, a whole school event and I went to the event and it was so wonderful. So we had um, two middle schoolers from that school also present their poetry and uh, one person um, who didn't win, but was so, I watched him grow. He got to present his poetry to a larger audience. Aww. And then the team poet laureate um, from Riverside um, spoke last year and spoke this year. And that's going to be a component that we keep in our Poetry Out Loud competition. So those two hours become not just a competition, but a poetry event. So everybody leaves fed and full. Wow. So for those for those people who want to find out more, they would just go to poetryoutloud.com? Um, no, they can contact me and um, you can go on my website, um, poet romainewashington.com. Um, and under contact, you just let me know if you are interested in finding out more. You can go on Poetry Out Loud, but that is the organization, the huge national organization. Okay. But to find out about when we're going to have our open mics and um, the dates for our local competitions and what I can do, how we can coach the students at your school. Oh, um, very cool. That's, that's something you can come to me and at locally um, in San Bernardino County, any schools within from okay. Big Bear. We have a school of Big Bear. We have one San Bernardino City. We have one um, in Redlands. We have one in Rancho Cucamonga. San Bernardino County is a huge county. And so yeah. if you're a part of San Bernardino County and you think, um, and I just spoke at uh, Los Osos a couple weeks ago, and there's a mom who said, yes, my daughter wants to do this. And so, oh, wow. um, yeah, the more, the merrier. That's how poetry is. So Terrific. that's what I love. That's well, what I love so much about talking to you is the pure excitement and joy you have for your projects. You know, I know you retired from teaching recently, and now you're kind of doing this full time, and I, I'm sure it's a lot. Um, I just want to ask about one more event. Um, do you have an event March 3rd? Yes, we have an event March 3rd, and I love it um, because it's book talks. It's about books that have blessed you and made a, a deep impression on you and encouraged you in some way or, or another. And so um, not just me, but Stephanie, Barbara Hammer, um, uh, Katie Porter, uh, and I don't have the list in front of me, but I think you might. Um, there's yeah. going to be a, a whole host of us over at the Culver Center at 1.30 next uh Next Sunday. Uh, yeah, yeah, next Sunday. Um, yeah. And so we will be there. Um, that is the most recent thing that's coming up. So we hope that you can, and it's free. So, um, and I, I'm hoping, and I'm pretty sure we'll have time for audience members. I always like not just to talk at, but to talk with. Mm -hmm. And so perhaps maybe audience members will be able to give a shout out for some of their favorite um, 
books that have impacted them. And on my website, I have my firsts. So I have the first book that was ever read to me and likes read. And I have the first book of uh, poetry. um, Oh, no, the first poem that I liked. And that was um, The Swing by Robert Louis Stevenson. And the first book that uh, I read or the first writer who I read everything that he wrote as far as I could, which was Langston Hughes, yeah. and especially his Just Be Simple, um, uh, small short stories. Um, I remember reading them to my mom into the night and just having a blast with him and laughing. So um, even on my way, and then I have a question, you know, what was yours? What was yours? Mm. So you can put in the contact, you know, read it and put in the contact and let me know. We can have that conversation too. I love books. Oh, me too. You know, as someone who, you know, used some of her favorite books for inspiration, my own writing, S.E. Hinton's The Outsiders, Judy Bloom's starring Sally Friedman is herself. All these books that really, um, Wizard of Oz, The Hobbit, uh, Sandra yeah. Cisneros, Juno Diaz, yeah. um, their writings, James Joyce. I mean, I think that, the best writers, Stephen King says this, just read a lot. Yes, you have to, you have to, um, because what happens is, and this happens a lot for, for teens or when you're really young, you think you've invented something new that's never been done before. And then <laughs> to find out it's been done before and even better, and I better learn a little something, something from, you know, what's been done yeah. before. So it's so important to hear other voices. If you're just hearing your own voice, you're in an echo chamber and you're not, that's not the spirit of poetry or writing. So. So it's to communicate and to build community. So, yeah. Well, speaking yeah. of communication, um, um, I just want to, I want you to read for at least five minutes and we have about 10 minutes left. So I just want to give a shout out. Um, please go to the Apple uh, stream for this podcast. You can see all the older episodes. Um, and next week I'll be interviewing the founder of WWS, I think, uh, Sochi Felicio Bermejo, who came out yeah. with a beautiful book called Incantation, yes. Love Poems for Battle Sites by Mouthfield Press. So pick up that book if you want to prepare for my talk next week. Um, that should come out next Friday or Saturday, maybe later. Uh, we haven't figured out when to record yet. But most of all, please get this anthology. These Black Bodies are a Blacklandia anthology edited and curated by Romaine Washington. Pick up her other books, Sirens in My Belly. And um, purgatory has an purgatory has an address. How can I forget it? I've read it probably 10 times and uh, pick up those two books. You can get those on um, obviously Amazon, but also bookshop or bamboo dart website for uh, purgatory has an address. And I think that silence in her belly was by um, what press was that? That's Jamie. That's Jamie. Yes. Nakia Cheney. Yes. And get Ladybug by Nakia Cheney. I just yeah. did a presentation at AWP with her and Hannah Sward and a couple other people. And Nakia brought down the house. Her reading from Ladybug, which she doesn't read from often, just yeah. moved everyone. I, we had people bawling. Um, yeah. So, I mean, get that book, too. So, oh, do you mind reading? And then stick around after the reading and we'll say goodbye to everyone. Do you mind reading a few sections from uh, These Black Bodies Are to sure. end us? I, um, do you have anyone that you would like to have voice oh, to? Yeah, actually, I have marked a few. Um, so, um, hold on one second. 
prominent. Well, while you look for that, I'm going to read one short one. And the one that I'm going to read is there's a bias there because it's my younger son, Mitchell. He's in here and it's Melanin Canyon. They wonder why the road curves the way it does, swaying bodies, splitting eye gazes for small gasps of breath. I feel the ebb and flow effect on these corners, walls that rush up on you then disappear into the distance. Blue slivers of love down here, softly touching my peripheral. A breeze reveals chocolate cliffs, ravens fly, floating like a desert sky. I sunbathe all day just to look up and feel at home. Then beige bushes paint the water green beyond serene. Wishes whispering in the wind, singing hypnotic hymns. Swallow me whole, sweet canyon. UV rays transform into melanin. Rock falls create drum solos and a mist of dust. I find myself squinting a lot here. Maybe because my peanut-sized brain can't handle so much beauty at once. Oh, so he he works in the national park system and he loves nature and being out in nature. And so um, he wanted to claim a space for a black body out in nature. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. Okay, And just because this one feels like I just have to hear you read it. uh, 1970 on page 220 by Ginger Galloway. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not going to do it justice the way Ginger does it, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, polyester hounds tooth pants with wide bell bottoms, bells ringing after class. Did you bring your lunch? Boxed milk, never white, water, tea, soda pop, pee. Don't drink from the last faucet. At grandma's house, snacks ain't sweet, but sour, pickles, fingers in the jar. Your mom will be here soon. Dinner will be in a silver tray in front of the evening news of another Black man who is the victim to the establishment. Fists raised high in a revolution that doesn't end of homework from lessons we pretend are relevant to savages are what they called us in the books, needing to be saved by white evangelists. Funny, the salve hurts so much more than the scrape. Your plate before you go outside of the house where the boys will take a turn, the jump rope one last time to go in before the street lights catch you fleece in pajamas, gone to bed before the TV shuts off color jokes on late night Racism cloaked comfort. So that is, um, oh. yes, I love how she plays with the, the words um, in that poem. Oh, it's so beautiful. And um, one of my favorites is Make Me by Natalie Graham. What page is that on? That's one of the very first ones we have. The first one is So My Soul May Fly a Song by Nikki. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we have Make Me. His hands make a spire. I teach the word steeple. We dream at God. I say, God be close to us. He says, if God can't make me a bird, 
who can? His heart a ripe peach, his wild boy song jubilant fire. When I say I can't breathe, I mean I am afraid. No window in this corner of night, no hopeful crows calling for the dawn, no nesting with their babies under pine, no nudging them into air. See the dark yawn spread, the gloom blotched murk night, a giant lily's bloom unfurling a fan of shadows. When I say matter, when I say lives, I mean marvel at the pinnacle his brown hands make, his brown face rising, draped in ginger lamplight. Oh, I just love the imagery oh. in that poem. So, um, okay. Yeah. Well, I, w I have to thank you for coming on. I could talk to you for two or three hours. Mm -hmm. Um, but I wanted to tell everyone to go get These Black Bodies Are a Black Landy Anthology. And for those of you who share this podcast or review it, I will put you in a um, drawing, not for this copy because it's all marked up and paged. paged. <laughs> paginated all through it um i i always crinkle i always turn pages and my mom used to always yell at me because they librarians would get mad about it that was, i always have my page corners and uh but i'll get you a new copy so um just send me a message if you do that honor system and i'll put you in the drawing remain thank you for coming on um tell tell the readers uh the listeners in really quick where they can find you again and then um what's next on the horizon for you okay um RomaineWashington.com. You can go there. You can, I have an events calendar. You can see where I will be. Um, and you can just shoot me uh, a note and I'll be sure to respond. I'll be at the uh, Conversations at the Culver, March 30th. Um, Choya Needles number 88, I have edited and it will be coming out soon. Um, I will be in an anthology for Pomona Valley. I think in April we'll be reading sometime around there. And um, I'm going to be in France in April, the beginning of April, for a writing retreat with David Rockland, who does Rorschach in Echo Park. I'm so, so excited for you. <laughs> I cannot wait. I'm too excited. And so there was something else I was going to say. I told you where to find me. I told you where I'll be. And oh. everyone, go to the March 3rd event. It's at the Culver City in downtown Riverside, right across, right kind of by the Mission Inn. You could just look up Culver City, Riverside, 130, March 3rd. Um, and also um, bookshop.org is where you can also buy These Black Bodies Are. I know a lot of people are going to Amazon and saying, oh, I can't find it. But you can get it at bookshop.org and I believe Barnes & Noble online. So those are two other ways to access the book. So, Great. Oh, I think it's on. No, it's not on audio, but those are two other ways. Yes. Oh, an audio version would be amazing. Okay, well, I'm going to share a couple of your events on my page just so people can find you. I'll, I'll share your website on my Life of Gem page. Um, also, I forgot to tell you, um, I think the reading is, uh, yeah, the reading is posted on Inlandia's uh, site on YouTube. So if you missed our Zoom reading, you can go to Inlandia Institute YouTube site and you can hear a lot of the uh, poets and writers there on, on YouTube, the, the Zoom reading. 
Yeah. Oh, great. So everyone just look up in Landia reading these Black Bodies Are Anthology, Romaine Washington. I'm sure you'll be able to find it. You can always uh, message Romaine or I or find us and we can shoot you that link. But I'll try to share that link on my Life of Gem page as well. Just go to uh, Life of Gem on Facebook. Thank you, Romaine. I hurt you so much. <laughs> same, same. Uh, I hope to have lunch or coffee with you soon. And I hope to be at that March 3rd event. So everyone, um, Romaine, give us a goodbye. Thank you, everyone. Um, thank you for continuing to listen to this beautiful podcast. Um, Juanita is a wonderful uh, pillar of San Bernardino and, and of, of poets and writers. And so keep listening. She reads everybody. She's an encouragement. She's um, an activist and just um, an inspiration. So keep listening. Oh, love you, Romaine. Thank you so much, everyone. Go get These Black Bodies Are. Go to Bookshop, go to Inlandia, go to Romaine's website and listen in next week um, as well. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. Bye. Look at me, I'm waving. (laughs) (laughs) We're waving to the people listening. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.